This is the Momentum Podcast. An entrepreneur with a team never walks into a room alone. If you're an entrepreneur that's going out and hiring and growing a team, the relationship that you develop with the people that are helping you in your business is going to dramatically improve your ability to make your greatest contribution. This episode is another sneak peek into the Sharfin Summit, specifically a panel between Alex and our Director of Operations, Haley Hart. The two of them have a conversation about how CEOs and operators can work together to create momentum in a business, how the operator can support the CEO to be the visionary leader of the business, and how the CEO can hire and support the right people so that the business can grow and create momentum quickly. I'm Alex Sharfin, and this is the Momentum Podcast, made for empire builders, game changers, trailblazers, shot takers, record breakers, world makers, and creators of all kinds. Those among us who can't turn it off and don't know why anyone would want to. We challenge complacency, destroy apathy, and we are obsessed with creating momentum so we can roll over bureaucracy and make our greatest contribution. Sure, we pay attention to their rules, but only so that we can bend them, break them, then rewrite them around our own will. We don't accept our destiny. We define it. We don't understand defeat because you only lose if you stop and we don't know how. While the rest of the world strives for average and clings desperately to the status quo, we are the minority, the few, who are willing to hallucinate there could be a better future. And instead of just daydreaming of what could be, we endure the vulnerability and exposure it takes to make it real. We are the evolutionary hunters, clearly the most important people in the world, because entrepreneurs are the only source of consistent, positive human evolution, and we always will be. Um, there's a few questions left on how to ha- hire an operator. We're going to kind of do these in a speed round. Then I want to go around the room, just get your biggest takeaway. So be thinking about that. And um, let's finish these, Haley. So here's the first question. Um, I want to. I don't. I'm going to start with the easy one. How do you build trust with an EA or an operator? Because here's the here's the key, guys. This relationship has to be a relationship based solely and completely on trust. You can't challenge trust with your operator. So, what would you say is important? Um, I was well. I would say it, from our experience, starting off in an EA position versus jumping straight to an operator and operations manager position has allowed us to thrive in our relationship, build that relationship and really determine like, I think him build trust in me and me build trust in him. Yeah. Um, Because we, we got a chance to learn like each other's ticks. We got a chance to learn like how we should communicate with each other. And that takes time and energy. And also I feel like had I been put directly into an operations manager position, I would have let him down because we wouldn't have built that foundation. Yeah. So I'd say like giving it time to understand and like also just time and understanding with each other because it's not going to come easy and it's not going to come immediately. It takes a lot of time to be able to build that relationship up and, and figure out how to communicate with each other and how to, I don't know, how to work through different scenarios with each other. Like understand each other's personalities. The other thing that's crucially important, like here's what I would say about how to build trust with an EA. I don't cancel meetings with, with Haley. I'm not late to meetings with Haley. And if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And the last place that I'm going to miss something is in this relationship in the business. Because if I miss stuff here, then that challenges her trust in me doing anything anywhere. Now, that being said, <clears throat> I've, we've gone through some really crappy weeks in the past couple of weeks and I've missed a bunch of stuff. It's the exception, not the rule. 
So she knows that this is an exception. She knows I'm going to get back to my, my real self soon and everything will be okay. But like, I think the key to building trust with your EA or your operator is just doing what you say you're going to do and being in the meetings you're going to be in. Here's what will happen. If you're just rolling out the cadence and if you're new to this, in your first couple of weeks, everything in the world is going to try and break your cadence. I just want you to know that. For those who have implemented, you already know this. Here's what happens. You go, Monday at four is going to be our weekly planning meeting. And 20 minutes later, you get, Monday at four, I've got the biggest opportunity call I could ever have. Right? And that happens constantly. And what will happen is <clears throat> you will have this constant bargaining with your cadence. And here's what I would tell you. If you're starting this out, the way you build trust is doing what you say you're going to do. Just roll out the cadence and do it. And even if you're terrible at it, even if you're irritated in the meetings, if you show up, you're going to build trust. I think another thing, too, is when I first started, there was so much transparency and then, like, allowing me to, like, to flourish in that role that, that I think really opened the door for me to explore how I could benefit him in other areas and the business in other areas. It was an immediate conversation, I think, day one, where he was like, just so you know, you're going to be privy to a lot of information, a lot of personal information about me and about my life and about Katie and about the business and about the family. And knowing that, like, I'm giving you that trust and putting that trust in you, I'm like, holy this guy barely knows me. I'm going to know all this crazy information about his life. But like allowing me to do that allowed me to like step myself into that role and, and take ownership of it. And I was telling Deanna this the other day. I was like, it's kind of like I have this closet. The closet is closed. I like pack all my baggage in it, pack all my trauma. I pack all my issues. I pack all like my previous horrible work experiences in this closet. And I like lock it up. And Alex comes over and he like opens the door. He's like, let it all fall out. <laughs> I want to go through it with you. <laughs> like, let's dig through this, this pile of Let's dig through it together. We'll pick some up. We'll, we'll toss some stuff away. We don't need to talk about that. That's okay. But like, let's dig into it and let's pull out the little pieces that are like little nuggets of like gold that I know are in there. Um, that like for every other job I've ever been in, I've had to close that away. And everything that I've ever gone through has, you know, that I've been either ashamed of or couldn't open or couldn't become has been closed off in this door that he was like, no, I want to explore that. And that's allowed me, I feel like, to step into the role. Hopefully that was a good analogy. I think um, the other thing is, if you don't hire an operator, you're not excited to see succeed. Like when I met Haley, I was like, oh, I want her to succeed. When I met Deanna, I wanted her to succeed. I Like Dustin, I want to see him succeed. My whole team, anybody on my team, like I'm vested in their success. And it really is crucial here because you will hit tough times. We've hit tough times. Like we've had some really tough times. We've had crazy having a business. We've had people walk out on a Monday that had stuff due all week. We've had all kinds of stuff. But if you create trust here and you care about the person, I think it's a lot easier. Um, the next question that we have is, how do you justify an EA salary if the business revenue doesn't support it? I want to start with this. I'll start. So here's the first thing I want you to know, you're doing it wrong. Because if you're looking, here's, here's whoever wrote this, who wrote it, by the way? Okay, here's what everybody does. They go, I need an EA. That's $40,000 a year. I don't have $40,000 right now. I can't have an EA. You don't need that. Here's what you need. You need something. We don't know what it really is. Let's figure out what it is. And if you guys both do time studies, you might find that with a 20-hour-a-week EA, you can get a ton of stuff done. So years ago, when we first started teaching this content, I had a woman named Gweb Dabemeyer in my class, and she had gone from having a team of like 15 people. She'd gone through the economic collapse, and it was just her. 
And she said in our class, like, I'm never hiring anybody again because of this, because I don't have the money because it's $40,000. all." And I said, Gwen, how much help do you think you need right now? And she's like, well, I mean, if I could get somebody to work 10 hours a week, it would change my life. But like, nobody wants to work 10 hours a week. And I'm like, okay, Gwen, here's what I want you to do. We're going to give you the description for an ad and you're going to place it tonight. Like before you go to bed, I want you to put it on Facebook and we'll see what happens tomorrow morning. So we gave her a description for an EA and we said, you know, at the bottom of it, it said 20 hours a week, flexible hours, work from home. The next day she came in crying to our event. She's like, I want to show everybody what I got. And she had this package from a woman that was a VP at a, at a Northern California tech company. She sent her her disk profile, her resume, a sample of projects that she had done. She had been a vice president in a tech company at like $250,000 a year salary. She wanted $14 an hour. She just wanted to be productive somewhere. She just wanted to help somebody. So my first suggestion is don't look at it as a full-time position. Look at it as what can you use right now that will help free the two of you up so that you can do more so you can afford the full-time position. Because what I know working with entrepreneurs is even 10 hours is completely game-changing. So that would be my first comment. Do you want to add anything? Um, no. So I would adjust the EA to what you can afford. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. We have a couple more. Uh, I'd also say, I do have one thing to go add. Go ahead. That there's, a, there's something to be said about opportunity too. If someone buys into like what it is that you're doing, like I would say they'd be willing to take something a little less for knowing the opportunity in the growth position that they could end up in as well. Here's a good one for you, Haley. As an operator, how do you break an EPT loop or spiral when you recognize that your boss is stuck in one? Well, I'm never in a loop or spiral, so she doesn't know how. I dress it um, lightly. Uh, <laughs> I think that after developing a relationship with Alex in the way that we have, is I can have those relate. I can have those conversations with him easily now. In the beginning, I maybe would have like tiptoed around it. I know. Um, Alex's ticks. I would say I would know like what what way that he likes to be addressed in conversations. I always come with solutions. I always come with options, and I never just throw a problem at him. And I know that that would overwhelm him. Um, so I know that if I'm going to address a situation with Alex, that I'm coming with solutions. I'm coming with a reason and explanation why I think that this is a problem, and then how it affects him and the team. Those are like the three big things that I come with him if I'm going to address any issue. Yeah, I think. Um that's everything that Haley just said. And I would just add, if you communicate your displeasure to your CEO, we never hear that. It's just an annoyed person. And I don't care about annoyed people. Honestly, most people are annoyed. So if you're, you present as annoyed, I'm like, oh, look, you're like most people. Right. And so I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't have any impact on me. If you come, so if somebody on my team comes and says, I'm really feeling like, and right there, I'm already like, okay, good. It's your problem, not mine. Right. You're feeling it. Go unfeel it. Right? And so, but if somebody comes to me and Haley says, there's a vulnerability in the company and we're gonna let clients down, I'm listening, right? And it, or if she says, hey, I'm noticing something that's going to damage our ability to hit the numbers on our waterfall, or there's something here that's threatening our team, or there's something here that's threatening our outcomes, then I hear it. So I think one of the biggest challenges with communicating with CEOs is far too many operators trying to communicate from a me space and not a we space. If you communicate the vulnerabilities in the company, you're going to be heard a lot better than if you're communicating your discomfort. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Let me just say it's always nerve-wracking, too. It, like, never gets, like, an easier conversation. <laughs> I always have that, like... Okay.
got to tell him something he's probably not going to like to hear. But I'll, like I had to do it this morning. But like, and before I had the conversation, I was like, I hope he responds well to this. And he immediately took it. And he, I think that building that trust, like he, he trusts my, my, my judgment on uh-huh. things too. And he takes it into account. And so I never feel like I'm not heard. Uh-uh. And I, as a CEO, and this is for the other side of the coin, if you're the CEO in the conversation, here's the key, guys. Don't ever shut your operator down. Like, that's the, a lot of operators become ineffective over time because they present negative information, they get negative feedback or negative attitude back, and then they're like, well, I don't want to go back to that well. And so when Haley comes to me with anything that's broken, I'm like, I'm so glad you find, found this. Let's figure out what it is. If she comes to me with a personal criticism, I literally, I sit there and I'm like, breathe through your nose don't react, like accept this, this is real. She's doing this because she cares about you and your business. And like, I'm telling myself those things because I don't even want to have a physiological reaction that's negative. I don't ever want her, you heard what she just said. We've been working together over a year. Like there's a tremendous amount of love here. Can you guys see that? And even though there's a tremendous amount of love and respect and trust, when she has to bring something negative to me, she's nervous. So I have to accept that she's always nervous and it's always difficult for her. And then I make it easier for her. And then that makes it so she's more willing to come to me. Because here's what a lot of operators do. Operator brings you something, they get yelled at. Like now that part of their brain that looks for problems kind of starts getting shut down. Like it's it's not something that you can consciously do or undo. It's an unconscious issue that an operator will literally start ignoring stuff because their brain goes, I saw something, going to fix it, getting yelled at. Okay, just keep going. So don't yell at your operator. Like, do not ever react here. This is a love relationship. This is a respect relationship. This is a trust relationship. If I'm irritated, I actually say, Haley, I am so irritated with this. I'm glad you brought it to me. So I'm like, I'm irritated with the thing. I'm glad with you. You know, you're still important to me. And we always make sure we have that conversation too. It's not you. Uh-huh. Like we're, we're having a conversation about this situation. And I think like we always kind of joke around it. Like if I want to tiptoe around something with Alex, I'll be like, so how are you feeling today? Yeah. <laughs> I always know I'm going to get something. I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> so are you feeling triggered? What's going on? And he knows when I'm saying little things like that, he'll be like, oh, like, what did I do today? Yeah, what did, what I, did do? I do? Be like, what, how did I react? And I'm like, He'd be like, did I react? Was that rude? And I'm like, yeah, probably. Okay, last what question. What do you think? <laughs> well, guys, that's the other thing. So here's, here's where this relationship has gotten to, no joke. If I act in a way that's inappropriate in the business, I never knew before. Like, you're emperor's new clothes, right? You're walking around butt naked. So if I do something that's inappropriate today, Haley will reach out to me afterwards and say, like, hey, are you okay? She doesn't say, hey, why were you an asshole? She says, are you okay? What's going on? Is there something you need to unload? Do we need to talk? Do I need to get something off of your plate? That I hear 100% of the time. If Haley left me a boxer and said, hey, you shouldn't talk to the team this way, what's my instant response, CEOs? <laughs> my team, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> and so instead, she communicates it in a way where it doesn't push those buttons. Because believe me, every CEO in here is in here because you're not following anybody else's rules. Right? Like at the end of the day, it's because like guys like me, guys like like all of you women who are in here running businesses, you couldn't go comply with somebody else's rules. So you had to make up your own. And so just understand that if you like allow people to tell you what's really going on, man, you get so much better at what you're doing. It's humbling every day, but it makes you a better CEO. And if you don't have the business you want, you haven't become the person who can run it yet. By following this process, you will become that person. Over time, you'll learn what 
what behaviors your CEO and your operator are having that are triggering for them. So like if he if he's reacting a certain way to people, I know that he's overwhelmed in some way. And so I know it's not an intentional thing and he's probably completely like uh, he doesn't know he's doing that or or that's the way it's coming off at all. And so I um, I'm always going to approach it in a way that like what's going on? Like I know something's happening. I know that you're feeling something or something's going on in your brain. Like what what do we need to do to work through that because it's never an intentional. And he does the same thing for me. He'll be like Hey. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I think we should jump on a call. I'm like, no, I'm good. No, I think we should jump on a call and talk about how yeah, you're no, feeling you're not. today. Let's get on a call. <laughs> and, he'll, and I'll be like, he'll, we'll jump on a call and be like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. I'm good. He's like, what's wrong? Let's go I'm, over to the closet. I'm Let's good. Open it up. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's going to be the new thing. Like, open up that closet. So last question. And this is, I think, for you, Haley, because it's the CEO operator relationship who asks this. How do you transfer tactical stuff from CEO to operator? And here's the tone it was asked in. Do you just go in and say, I'm taking this over now? That's Who asked that? Question. Is that you? Okay, good. Good. So it's a really good question. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, am, I nurture it over the course of every couple of months. We look at it. Um, I'm constantly reviewing his calendar and his schedule. And especially, like, I'm playing off of his mood and what he's doing and how busy he is. And when he's overwhelmed, I know that there's a problem probably in his calendar. There's something he's doing that he shouldn't be doing. And it's pretty obvious to me, I think, just because we built that relationship again over time, I know when that's happening. And so I immediately know, okay, let's go look at your calendar. And then if I'm not fully seeing everything, okay, you're going to do a time study. Okay, what are we pulling off? We'll look at it in depth. And I'll go through on, on Monday morning and I'll send him a box and I'll say, what's this appointment? What's this appointment? What's this appointment? Why are you on this? Do you need to be on this? We'll go through that. And he'll be like, I don't know. I, I don't know, Haley. Um, can you figure it out for me? I don't know. And I'll be like, okay, I'm taking it off your calendar. So like, we'll go through this whole process and reevaluate probably every quarter what he's doing, what he should be doing, and what he shouldn't be doing. And I will automatically just say, I'm taking this. Yeah, I will. I'll go and I'll just take time. it. Yeah. All the so time. So we do that every yeah. quarter. Yeah. No, it's constant. Haley yeah. will say like, and dude, we just had this conversation two weeks ago because, um, we were, we're about to cross the $3 million threshold, and the two of us have been talking about it because we live by the billionaire code. And to get to the next level from three to 10 million, I'm gonna have to be really focused on building infrastructure and building leadership team. And um, Haley's gonna have to be really, really focused on 20,000 foot metrics and understanding the whole business, not from a personnel standpoint, but from a productivity standpoint. Those are huge, huge transitions. And so um, I need her to come to me and say, I'm taking this stuff away. Like that's, that's how it works. And, and just recently she, we've decided that I'm, we're going to take me down to three days of productivity in the company. Like I'm going to, I'm going to allow the, the team to schedule three days of mine, but all of my meetings are already in there. So we're going down to 15 hours a week. So that level of like the team only gets 15 hours a week. Now that's going to have to pass through Haley. So she says, I'm going to be spending the most productive 15 hours with the team. And so, yeah, you have to take step away from the CEO and it eventually gets to the point where she's managing me. Yeah. It allows us to prioritize what he's doing. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go for it. Dang, that was the best throw I've ever done. Good, te good teamwork. <laughs> um, okay, so three days a week, I'm doing that too. So my question is, are you still gonna attend the huddles on the other two days? Yes. Yeah, that's just, the only thing. And then that's thing. the only thing? And that's then the is it like thing. just optional, like what Emily talked about kind of? Uh-huh. And so my, my intention is like self-care is huge for me. So I'm going to spend those days for self-care. But I also, I'm a content person. I create, you know, and re recently I've been doing a lot of like 
um, corrections and updating and but I haven't been doing a lot of like high level creation and when that starts happening I know that I'm doing too much and so that's why we're reducing me down plus I also you there's a point where you become a liability in the business if you remember when Daniel said the business runs better without me that's really true because as entrepreneurs we are like uh, we're 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 destructive because we want to find problems and fix the problems. And when you have a business where everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing and you throw an entrepreneur in to fix problems, you suddenly have problems you didn't have. And so part of cutting me down to three days a week too is that like I, I need to let go of a lot of stuff right now. I have to actively divorce myself from a lot of outcomes. Like I'll see them on the waterfall. I'll know that they're happening and I'll get reporting on them, but I have to stop trying to be proximate to them. So part of that is like really pushing me out of the business. Yeah, my team does better when I'm on vacation. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not him being absent. It's him It's him doing what he, he should be doing. And that's like, we need him to be the visionary. We need him to figure out what it looks like down the road and be able to bring that back and make that plan and help guide that and direct that. That's what he's supposed to be. And when he's built in that day to day to day to day and he's bogged down with those meetings every day, he's not being the best CEO he can be for us. And like, then we're also taking advantage of that time. That time is much better spent doing that. So this allows us to make sure that we're really focusing on those 17 hours that he has and those are spent doing what's most productive for him so that he can be the CEO that we need him to be. Let's go to Laura and then we'll come up here. I'm sorry this is off topic, but I have to, and I don't want to leave without this question. <laughs> no worries. Um, it's the question I asked yesterday about knowing when you can afford to hire somebody and how to accurately count the total impact of hiring somebody beyond just their salary. Do you have... So, like, how much does it cost total? Yeah, like, I always grossly underestimate by the time you have in, like, you know, payroll tax, workers' comp, benefits, you know, I think it's going to cost this, but it really costs a lot more than that. Or just, like, knowing, I know you know you can determine when you need someone based on a time study and a 4R, but that doesn't That doesn't mean the money's there. Correct. Yeah. So we use a combination, Laura. So the CEO metrics show you what you're making per person, and it shows you if there's money left over to hire somebody. And then when, when we look at hires, hiring someone, we look at the salary plus 20%. So if it's a $40,000 salary, we know it's going to really be more around 48000 because we have JustWorks and we have um, Growth Force where there's a, a salary component. Can you hit the space bar over there? Um, oh, I might have just lost power. Eddie, can you... Um, and so we use 20%, Laura. It's a bit of an exaggeration. It's a little too much. Like it really is about 16%, but we just use 20 to be safe. And then we look at where is, where is the revenue of the business and what is the impact going to be? And so if we have the money, we hire. If we don't have the money, we don't. But it's a combination of knowing the full amount you're going to spend and then looking at your CEO metrics on a monthly basis. Molly? Did that answer it, Laura? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey there, this is Eddie Kirk with Alex Sharfin's team. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Momentum Podcast. Listen, if you're ready to take the next step, if you're ready to understand the systems and processes and frameworks that we teach entrepreneurs to grow and scale their business with confidence, we're ready to help you. If you go to billionairecode.com right now, you can get on a call with a member of our coaching team and find out which one of our coaching programs best fit the needs of your business right now. We know that when you are clear on where you're going and you're excited about the outcome, you will put the accelerator pedal to the floor and you won't let up. 
Let us help you get into momentum, grow and scale your business, and make the impact that you've always known you should. Go to billionairecode.com right now to get started. We'll see you there.